Welcome to Ramble City. McCaw? McCaw, yeah, McCaw, Richie McCaw. Like the bird? Like the bird. Yeah, correct. I'm going to work that into my every time now. Bradley McCall like the bird. <laughs> I mean, feel free to say that. That's very funny if that's on brand for you. That's very funny. Okay. Ramble City. Okay, you ready? Correct. Yeah, I'm ready. Hey, this is Catherine Britt and you're tuned in to Ramble City with Bradley McCaw like the bird. <laughs> yeah, I instantly don't regret that. <laughs> I do a little bit. How does an award-winning country artist turn independent after 20 years and use crowdfunding to create her new album, taking control of a career and in the process, preserving a legacy for herself and her family? Today's guest is Catherine Britt, an Australian country music artist whose long list of credits include ARIA nominations, CMAA Country Music Awards, multiple Golden Guitar Awards. She's worked with Casey Chambers, Paul Kelly, Dolly Parton, Keith Urban... But in our chat recorded online in 2021, we discussed the music business, her latest album, Hitting the Road in 2021, which we would later discover would be affected by COVID border closures. So please check her website for the updates on that. But we kick off the chat in Newcastle, Australia, as a 17-year-old being discovered by Sir Elton John. My name is Buddy McCaw, and this is Ramble City. Welcome to Ramble City. So, I'd love to kick off with growing up in Newcastle. So, yeah. tell us about sort of those early days and how this formed, you know, the early part of, of your music career. Well, I think, you know, my hometown has a lot to do with me as an artist. I know that sounds strange, although in not a lot of my favourite artists actually, you know, they base a lot of their music and feelings around their hometown you know Paul Kelly sings a lot about Adelaide and things like that so I think it's just sort of a part of who I am now you know and I think starting in in Newcastle um in a very much so and not a country town uh if anything a more you know a small city um more and more so every day uh you know and growing up on the beach and and that lifestyle that I had as a kid you know um is all very much reflected in my lyrics my my melodies, you know, I'm from a town where Silverchair was big when I was growing up and yeah. um, a lot of musicians have come from this town. So uh, I was influenced by a lot of different things and, you know, country music is definitely not cool in, in Newcastle. <laughs> so I was also like I was listening to Hank Williams when no one was watching but then, you know, with my friends I'd pretend I was cool and I liked Britney Spears or Spice Girls or whatever, you know. So I was exposed yeah. to everything, I guess, you know, growing up in a, in a, in a city. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I'm sure in so many different ways it, it comes out in my music. There's there's sort of no avoiding that. Yeah. No. Do you find that in those early days you were just kind of holding out for that perfect moment when Britney Spears would release a country album? Is this oh kind of just God. so then your two worlds would meet and you'd be? Can you imagine like, though, if Britney Spears oh. made a country album, that'd be amazing. I mean, I'm, the, not you know, <laughs> I'm not even being. No, psychotic. no, no. Either am I. I mean, and you could instantly start. With just, you know, new versions of all this existing back catalogue pending, you know, I'd be commissions in, okay. <laughs> but I'd be right, in yeah. heaven, honestly. The Can we cut this out? Hillbilly. Yeah, the hillbilly heaven. Can we cut this out of the episode and um and pitch it to people straight away so we can keep <laughs> this idea? 
<laughs> and it can be part of your new label. I'm, it's yours. This is this is it. I just want to get in on the ground floor. Uh, I love it. You're an ideas man. I love it. Oh, thank you very much. So, okay, so you're starting in, in Newcastle. You're listening to to country music kind of behind closed doors. And when does then, do you remember, other than Hank Williams, the first the first material that you played live? Was it country music and was it in Newcastle? Yeah, Um I used to sing a lot in school, so I would get up in front of the class or whatever, and it was always well. Actually, in the early days, it was it was either country music or Disney, so I was either yeah. singing blanking medleys or yeah, whatever. Right. Um, you know, like my heart will go on duets, you know, with my friends or um, yeah, or country music. And I think that country music side, you know, um, was really misunderstood for sure. Uh, although. I did manage to get some of my friends into Dolly Parton and some of that, you know, sort of more mainstreamy stuff. You know, they got that and they I could get them on board for that and they were all really supportive. I, I mean, I was teased a lot in high school from not friends, but my yeah. friends all got what I did and they supported it and they could see I was genuinely like in love with what I did and that I, I already knew what I was going to do when I grew up and I think they were envious of that, you know, like that I had just so much direction and, um you know, know, I guess, in at such a young age of what I was going to be and what, what I was going to do. And I, I've never wavered from that. So there was kind of a respect there, but, you know, they didn't quite get why, why I was listening to Hank Williams. That's for sure. I, I, you know, I sometimes wonder what it was about that music that got me so much. But yeah, I, I don't know if you can ever really explain what it is about a style of music that you fall in love with. It's just it becomes who you are and it becomes your personality. It becomes just, you know, who you are. I don't know. I am country music. I am that style. And I, and I love all types of music. I love pop. I love blues. I love rock. But when I hear a country song, I feel like better than any other time. You know, I just, I know instantly that I get it and that it's yeah. me, you know, it's really hard to explain. And I, there's only a few people I've ever really spoken to that totally get that. And um, when I do meet, meet people like that, we, we gel instantly and we, we get each other. So, yeah. Is it because you've got on cowboy hats and really big sort of boots and then you instantly look at me and go, you know, you, you oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not at all. I mean, I don't even. Country's a state of mind. It's not a boot, Brad. It's not a hat. That's it's a right. state of mind. It's in the heart. It's in the soul. Well, yeah, it's I get that much. not how you dress or where you're from because I would be out then. <laughs> <laughs> well, Do you remember the very first song then that got in your heart? Do you remember the first country song that you yeah, went, this is it? For sure. It was um, actually that that movie, Loretta Lynn's movie, Coal Miner's Daughter, which is an um, autobiography, I guess, of her life uh, that was, you know, um, Sissy Spacek was, was playing Loretta Lynn in the movie. It was a fantastic film. And I saw that, Yeah, uh, I reckon I was about nine years old when I saw that movie and I just thought, oh, my God, that's what I want to be. Like I, I want to be a poor hillbilly who like, you know, comes from a coal mining town and becomes a country music superstar. Like it was just no doubt in my mind that that's <laughs> what I was going to do, you know. It was so strange. And I heard this song that she was singing on there. It was actually the first song she sang when she got up yeah. in a bar. Yeah. Her husband made her get up and sing with this house band and it's a song, it's actually called There He Goes. It's really old-fashioned. It's got a little like, there he goes, like a little yodely thing and stuff and yeah. really simple, simple country song. But 
I remember hearing that and just going, oh, wow. And then from then on, I, like every place I got up and sang, I, I'd sing that song for oh, a long wow. time. Yeah, it was just a really impactful thing for me. Um, that and kind of moving to, um, yeah, mummy's on an interview, uh, <laughs> and moving to. Like, um, why, is, why, why is mummy talking to herself? <laughs> what, is, what is mummy doing in Grammy's bedroom? Um, yeah, so that and then Dolly Parton. When I started hearing yeah. Dolly Parton, oh, my gosh, my, my life completely changed, you know. I mean, I just learnt every song, Kind of Many Colours, like all yeah. of those songs just, you know, changed my life. So, yeah. I think Dolly Parton changes everyone's life at some point. It doesn't matter, you know, musician-wise. I don't, I don't think it matters what you play, what style you like. There are so yeah. many crossovers in her catalogue. For me, Absolutely. it was 9 to 5 that was the first one that really sucked me in. Like I knew Jolene and I knew all the hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, 9 to 5 is a hit. But for me, when yeah. I heard that, there was something in that that like my kind of blues and soul and rhythm and blues side of stuff, rock and roll, I was like, oh, wow, this is, wow, she can do anything. Mm-hmm. Like she's a superhero, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, speaking so then, of yes, yeah. though, have you have you heard of Dolly Parton's America that podcast? Yeah, you know, I've been saving it for like some about. massive road, some some massive road trip. Yeah, I've kind of been waiting to totally what you're talking about. By the way, it's like how she just manages to infiltrate everyone and everything because she's yeah, just right powerful with her music. Anyway, you have to listen to it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> okay, that's um. So we have to end this early because uh, I've got some homework <laughs> go. to do. <laughs> Got to go listen to a podcast. If in terms of then of you knowing so much what you wanted to do so clearly when you were so young, mm. the idea of then uprooting yourself at seventeen to move to the other side of the planet—it it was seventeen, right? I'm, I'm correct in yeah. that, right? Like, yeah. then would this to me on paper seems like a scary thing, but for you, is this like I am Sissy Spacek? Here we go, I'm off. Like, it's time for me to find those those dime joints and get to work. Mm. You know, is that? Yeah, I think I, I think I didn't really think all of that through. Like, I was really small minded in my goals yeah. and stuff. Like, I just was a girl from Newcastle that wanted to be a country singer. So, anything that happened was like the biggest thing in the world to me. Like, right. I mean, when I first met Bill Chambers and he started like being nice to me and getting me to go to his gigs, I thought I'd made it. Then I was like, all yeah, right, of course. this is it. I've made it. I'm singing in a yeah. bar in Sydney. I've made it. And then like every step from there just felt like the the biggest thing in the world. So my first tour was opening up for Casey Chambers on her um, Barricades and Brick Walls tour and I thought I'd made it then and, you know, I just kept getting bigger and then the Elton John thing happened and then I went to America and I I remember saying to, because Elton actually asked me, he said, oh, have you got plans to go to Nashville? And I went, no, I'm I'm in school. <laughs> Like I just no, I'm not even thinking I'd about to, that. I'd love to go, but I've got a test on Tuesday. <laughs> like I just, it did not even cross my mind that I would go to Nashville or that, you know, I would dream that big. You know, yeah. like it really just wasn't on my on my radar at all. And maybe it was just because I was just still a kid, or maybe it was because I just didn't. I mean, I thought you know, just getting to sing was was the ultimate goal, you know, and it didn't matter if money or fame came with that. So, and that's at the end of the day, I'm still just happy to singing. I don't care what comes with it. You know, I I get to do what I love for a living and that's the ultimate goal. I've, I've reached my dreams, you know, I've made them come true. So I think if you start small, you're never disappointed. (laughs) A (laughs) and B, um, I just never dreamed of going there. So it really was just like, you know, all quite overwhelming for me. I remember that first five days I went over to Nashville to meet with um, RCA Records with my dad. Um, 
I was so sick the whole time I was there. And I don't know if it, I'm sure it was like a mixture of the food being so rich yeah. and different and sugary. And also just a mix of like the overwhelming, like what the F is going on? Like, <laughs> is this even real life? Like it just felt yeah. so surreal. Um, so yeah, I kind of lived in that for a long time. You know, the, the whole time I was there, I was kind of in this surreal dreamlike state, you know, like just waiting for it all to fall apart and for it not to be real anymore. So, um, and I think I've just kind of been in that ever since, <laughs> you know, just it's living amazing. a real life. Like, I can't believe I get to do this and people like pay me to do it. It's just, yeah, stupid. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's, that's an amazing, that's well. an amazing story, Catherine. Like that is just <laughs> Like to me, it's like in the space of like 45 seconds, we've gone from, you know, yeah, I just kind of, I saw, you know, coal miner's daughter. I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And then, you know, quickly fast forward to, to, to the tour supporting Casey Chambers, where that was a pretty big record at the time too. So you were playing, yeah. you were like, that was a real, real deal that you're opening up for. I mean, you know, so of course yeah. you feel like you've made it because in a lot of ways, you know, it's not a bad gig, right? And then, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, Elton John's calling me up and asking me if I'm, if I'm going to go to Nashville. I mean, yeah, right, let's just gloss over that real quick, you know, and then and then everything that follows, you know. It's, mm. um, and that's, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the first 30 seconds. <laughs> you know, like, so let's not gloss over the Elton John things. I'm sure people listening are like, what? Excuse me now? So how did this happen? And, you know, was was this just, you know, you really love Tiny Dancer and wrote out with a fan fan letter and he just sort of emailed you back? What what happened here? Well, that would have made sense, but what of happened course. To me, Sorry, yeah. what happened to me didn't make sense at all. And I still don't really know how it happened. But the story is that okay. um, he went into a local record shop when he was touring Australia. And apparently he does that often when he's on tour. He just like closes down a, you know, back in the day when that was a big thing, obviously, closes down a record shop, a CD shop, whatever, um, and goes shopping, like looking for new music. And he asked the guy behind the counter, I believe it was in Sydney, asked the guy behind the counter, like, what's what's hip, what's cool, like what should I be listening to, mate? And he, for whatever reason, this guy said, oh, well, this girl's only 16, she's a debut album, she writes her own songs. You know, she's kind of got some shit going on at the moment. Check her out. Um, and he did. And he liked it. And then he got in contact with me uh, through my label. I just signed to ABC because we released that debut album independently. My mum and dad paid for it. And then ABC picked it up and re-released it. And yeah. then so he contacted ABC Universal and they got in contact with me. And, yeah, he just wanted to meet me initially. So I drove down to Sydney for his final Australian show that was actually broadcasted nationwide um, on television. And he, I met him backstage and he was just like really nice to me and, you know, said, I love your music. And um, I was just kind of looking at him like, <laughs> are you for real? Are you, like, are you, so, are you an Elton John impersonator? Like, no, seriously, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this really happening? Um, and then like, because I remember the whole room was filled with media and everyone just stopped and like stared at us like yeah. who is that girl and yeah. why is he talking to her and like it was bizarre like a movie and then he said will you stay and watch what I do I said I'd love to I'd love to stay for the show and he's like cool names on the door you're sitting here blah blah, blah. see you after the show whatever and then he went on stage and um he was thanking uh, you know some people for coming and then he thanked me for coming he said oh this is great 
you know, new artist who's um, only 16 and boy, can she sing and write and said, did this whole like spiel about me on stage in front of all of Australia. And from there on, I just kind of got crazy, you know, because I think if Elton John says, you know, you're good, everyone kind of goes, well, must be good that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, of course. You know, it kind of just went from there, you know, the labels and stuff just based on that just, you know, went, well, we we should sign her because Elton John thinks she's good. So kind of went from there. Yeah, bit weird. Um, amazing. So the, 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 the lesson from this story is always ask mum and dad for, for find your first record because you never know what's going to happen, you know, always. amazing. Always. That's, that's amazing. I think amazing. the goal here is to always like, be doing something you know young artists yeah. ask me how do I get, get into the industry how do I do you know whatever and I'm like well are you writing songs are you recording are you doing everything you can to get in front of people are you working your absolute ass off because until you're at that point don't ask me how to get into it because like everything I've ever gotten is because I worked my butt off to get there you know I've never yeah. stopped working I'm always just constantly pushing and investing in myself and writing songs and, you know, pushing myself creatively and, you know, it really is on you. And I think when those opportunities come along, you have to be ready. You know, you have to be yeah. there and ready. I mean, that that was a once-in-a-lifetime stars aligning. You can't make that happen. Like that stuff just happens. Yeah. But I think the fact that I was always working on, on, on my craft and working on things happening, I mean, I probably didn't need to make an album at 16. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> probably should have been focused on schoolwork. But I I had songs and I was ready and, you know, I pushed my parents yeah. to, oh, please, I'll pay you back every dime that we sell, you know, you I'll pay you back. And I did. I paid them back every single dime. And, you know, I think those little steps are all the things that you need to invest in yourself and you need to put the work in. Or Elton John ain't going to come and knock on your bedroom door while you're sitting there singing songs on your bed. You know, you need to be out and about. And I was always doing that. And I think those things make a big difference for sure. It gets you in front of people. Well, that is a perfect segue to move on to uh, to talking about Home Truths, your new record. So let's take a quick quick break and come back and, and, and dive into that. So Home Truths, it's your eighth studio album and um, after, you know, all the accolades, all oh, the many shows, um, so many songs, for this one, this is kind of the first time, I guess, since Mum and Dad funded the first record that you've mm-hmm. gone independent. So before yep. we sort of dip into the album, let's talk about that. How did that come about and, and why was that important to you for this one? Yeah, I think, you know, prior to this album, I didn't really see a way of doing that that made sense. You know, I I didn't think that, well, I probably wasn't ready um, to do that. You know, it's a big step to be independent because it's literally all on you then, you know, and I was already feeling overwhelmed with how much I worked and toured to add like a record label into the mix was like, can I really do this? Um, but you know, they, as they say, give a busy person more to do and they'll, they'll do it. Um, so it's been crazy since I took it on, but I really was so important to me for a few reasons. I got sick a few years back and realized how short life is. And I just, everything got put into perspective for me. Um, and I just started changing how I live my day-to-day life basically, 
instinctually it happened immediately. Um, and I started making some pretty big changes and a lot of, lot of changes have happened for me in the last few years specifically, but definitely since I turned 30, um, and having kids, you know, I think realizing that if anything ever, ever does happen to me, my children would not own my albums. Yeah. And that was just un- like, I couldn't comprehend that. Like I've done all the work, I've written all the songs, I've made these records and they don't have them when I die. Yeah. Like yeah. why, you know? So I went down this whole road road with my lawyer trying to get buy everything back. Um, yeah. I managed to get on my publishing back, Amazing. which I'm really proud of. Yeah. Uh, but, but the problem with record labels is, is they're just not interested. There's nothing in it for them to give you your masters back. So, yeah. you know, I'll probably end up doing the Taylor Swift route. And I was just about to say, is Taylor Swift calling, calling yeah. you up to sort of ask you for the well, tips of how you manage the publishing how, so far? <laughs> you know, how around that, you know, like. Yeah. I could easily just go in and re-record Too Far Gone and Little Wildflower, no worries, and do a new cool modern version of them. Yeah. Um, a, that'd be super fun. And B, <laughs> I would own them then, you know, and my kids would own them one day. So this is really important to me. And yeah. also I was seeing, you know, my my yearly turnover, you know, with my accountant, I was seeing how much money was going elsewhere yeah. and how I was earning less than most people around me. You know, I yeah. had managers and and people around me earning more in a year than I was and and the reason they had a job is because I was doing you know I was a singer or giving them a job and I sort of thought well that doesn't feel right you know and I I just sort of made some adjustments worked out all the logistics around it I had some friends doing really well independently and they sort of helped me through a lot of the early learning curves of it all I was signed to a label universal and they were very kind to um let me out of my deal no worries Yeah. Uh, we crowdfunded 35 grand, which was enough to basically go in and make the record, which was great. Um, yeah. And I've just basically just been working, you know, to pay for the rest and just getting everything out there and, and doing my best job to get this album into the world independently. So it's been it's been crazy, but I feel I've never felt more in charge. I've never felt more empowered. I've never felt more like a strong independent woman than I do right now. You know, I feel like, yeah. yep, this is my album. This is my, my, I'm running the show now, you know, and it feels really great to be in that position. Now I'm 36. I'm a mum of two boys and I just feel like I've got it all sorted out now. Like, I don't know. I feel really good about how it's going. So, and now I'm able to put out other people's records and, you know, nurture other artists, which is a real passion of mine. Um, yeah. I know I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for people like Elton John. So, I want to do the same sort of thing for people too, you know, on a much yeah. smaller scale. But you yeah. know, giving them those those early bits of advice and even helping them put a record out, you know, independently that they own, but it goes out on my label and my branding, but they own it and they get the money. That's right. You know, yeah. all those things now are my new future missions. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the next few years and where that takes me and what this all means. You know, I'm I'm working on a book too and kind of telling my story and probably re-recording some albums down the track. (laughs) (laughs) Catherine, a huge hearty congratulations. That's just, that's amazing and and so inspiring, to be frank. Very inspiring. Wow. So when you you went out and you sort of said, all right, let's get these incredible music fans to help us get this shift moving, to get this starting and you went to Possible, did you see a huge groundswell of support? And I imagine Possible, any time that we've done something for that has been, it's very stressful 
because yeah. there's so much and so much to kind of work. So mm. did you find, were you surprised at how many people will, were, um, how do I say this? Uh, Willing to support? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And kind of, it, there's this idea of label and independent. And I think it's, it seems like we're more and more entering this phase where the idea of a label isn't through transparency now. It does, it's not necessarily the be all and end all. And it's not necessarily the big stamp that says you are an artist, you know. Totally. Um, uh, maybe it is for newer artists and maybe it's not so much for people like yourself that have accomplished so much and have done so much amazing stuff. But so, look, I have just blood three points there. So did you find a lot of support <laughs> think, and did you find that people weren't yeah. particularly fussed about this whole independence? Yeah, for sure. Look, I think just from what you were saying when I was a kid, you weren't even going to get noticed if you didn't have a record deal. So that that was yeah. the obvious path early on for sure. Um, now, not so much. You're absolutely able to get out into the world and in front of people with without a label um, thanks to the internet and all these things. So that's the answer to that. Uh, possible, uh, would I do it again? No. <laughs> <It's> the, <laughs> very, to be frank, <laughs> I regret it immensely. <laughs> Um, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, of course not. It was not. Well, so it's, you know. much work. It was so much yeah. work. And, um, I don't know that it was necessarily worth it financially at the end, yeah. at the end of the day anyway, You're probably better off doing, uh, pre-sales, you know, yeah. for the album, which essentially that's what it is, but it's got all these other options, you know, that, yeah. that make it's, it so intense and stressful and, um, you know, you've creating got that seventh version that comes with a free toothbrush if you give the yeah, extra three dollars. That's you know, you might uh, as well. You know, a shiwi. I don't know, like you can <laughs> tuck anything in there. But uh, honestly, some cattle. You, gotta, you know, all these things are add-ons. <laughs> exactly. But you know, I think when you sit down and work it all out, like actually buying all that stuff that you've told them they're pre-buying. Yeah. Um, after using the money to go and make a record, um, yeah. then having to come up with you know. 10 grand to buy everything and post it all out. It's, I don't know. It's kind of, I think in the, in the future, I'd like to just run it a bit more like, um, pre-sales and, um, like just the CD or vinyl or whatever, and just post them out on, on release. So yeah. I think it just makes things a little more streamlined, a little bit simpler. Um, I tried to get too creative and, you know, added in house concerts and all this stuff that you've, you've got to go then and do free house concerts essentially, you know? <laughs> um, which, you know, they're not free, but you know, like, it's like, of you've course, already made money. You've you know, already yeah. done this thing. You're kind of catching up to the, to the deal. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. It was, it was cool though. I'm glad I did it. Cause, um, I'd seen it. He was with my colleagues and friends do it. And <clears throat> I was always really intrigued by it and, yeah. you know, wondered, what it was like. So now I know, like, I feel like I've learned that lesson. I've done that. And I know that that's there as an option always, you know, and I think yeah. that's nice for a smaller project or whatever. I, I would encourage even artists on my label, up and coming young artists who are doing an EP to do things like that. I mean, it, it makes sense for sure on a smaller scale. And um, I think just when you get into that crazy, trying to raise a lot of money, you've then got to go and back it up with all the things people have bought, you know. So Yeah, yeah. It's hard to get 7,000 toothbrushes with Catherine Britt on it with just <laughs> mum riding them in Nico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you yeah. probably end up doing. But, you yeah. know, the, to see the support was epic. Like, Yeah, absolutely. That's what I loved about it because yeah. I realised how many people believed in me and, and wanted to see me go independent and wanted that yeah. for me, you know. And I think 
there's a song on the record that's the the single at the moment with Lee called Country Fan and that's where the idea of that came from. Um, and I know it's a bit cliche and I know it's a bit even cheesy and I know that when I'm singing it, I know I knew that when I wrote it that it was cheesy but there's, there's so much honesty and truth in that and there's so yeah. much heart. I meant every word like they are epic people, like they are true fans and they really invest in you as a person and as an artist and they are there like through thick and thin, they're there every night at the concerts, they care, they invest, you know, it's like I've toured with Tim Rogers and different artists from different genres and I've never seen fans like country fans. Like they're just, they're the next level. They're the reason I have a job. So, yeah, yeah. pretty grateful for that part of it, yeah. It's not cheesy to me, this idea, but I don't know if I'm just the biggest piece of cheese that walks the earth. You know, I don't know if I'm the barometer for that. It's, you know, all these old songs that we love. I mean, maybe they're cheesy now, but to me they're timeless. So the idea of that, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty great um, letter back to, to everyone that's kind of, you know, made this thing possible. It's amazing. So let's talk yeah. more about the album. How would you kind of summarize the sound of it or the feel of it for you? Like what, what were you trying to capture something when you went into the studio to do it? Uh, I guess for me, I wanted a classic country record, you know, one that was really, really, um, well put together. Uh, I wanted the songs to be really strong. I wanted the band to be brilliant and I wanted, you know, great. I wanted it almost to sound like it, you know, been made, you know, um, with the A team, you know, like that's kind of, oh, you know, like, like it'd been made in Nashville with the best producer and band in the world or something. I don't know. The so best I session kind of, guys. Yeah, I kind of had in mind, yeah. you know, when I picked everybody. So basically I just chose the best musicians in Australia, um, worked with the best and, and you know, sent it off and got some great um, harmonies in Nashville with some fantastic harmony singers and some great guests. And I wanted a really high standard for the record, Um and I think the songs, you know, I had so much space to write these songs because of because of COVID. I really got to concentrate on them and like do do it properly, not like mid tour or like in between doing a million other things. I was able to yeah. actually like write properly and like give my best work. And I, I feel because of that, this is like by far one of my best albums. Like I think my first album and this album stand toe to toe. And I feel really proud of that because I, I, I put so much into it and I, I listen to it and I'm proud of it, you know, and I, I know yeah. it's my best work. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of w- was listening to a lot of um, old country um, and a lot of, like, 90s country, like Dixie Chicks and stuff like that when I was making this record. And I think that accidentally kind of came through a little bit. <laughs> um, very, like, 90s country, you know, I, I didn't even realize it until i went back and listened and went oh wow yeah that's that's totally i caught a vibe i caught a vibe yeah yeah that's a thing yeah but i love that i love that sound oh yeah that's totally where i started you know dusty smiles that whole era was that era you know so yeah it was like going back to that whole era that i loved you know like when i first started so i love that it was yeah intentional and unintentional at the same time and then, so then you decide, did you, were you always going to produce it yourself? Did you, did you decide in the beginning that you really wanted to do that for this record? And had you done that before? I have done it before. Um, I've co-produced, uh, I co-produced Always Never Enough with Bill Chambers in Austin. Yeah. Um, I produced with the band Cold Cold Hearts, the last record. Yeah. Um, and the rest have been <clears throat> produced by other people. Bone Shaker was produced by Ryan Hadlock over in Seattle and, 
so on and so forth. So I have done it and I've done a lot of producing of other artists over the last of course, five, yeah. six years as well. So yeah. um, I love that and I think I just knew, I didn't think anyone else would be able to step in and, and know what I wanted like I did. Yeah. Like I knew the vision I had, I knew the musicians I wanted, I knew the sound I wanted, I knew everything and it just didn't make sense to me for somebody else to come in to that you know yeah. and that's really what producing is it's like it's like picking the studio the musicians the direction the sound it's kind of all those things you know and I think I'd already I already had that so yeah it didn't make sense so yeah I I've, I'm really glad we did that and um Michael Moko, who co-produced it with me, essentially just uh, really helped me on so much in the studio, but also uh, in the after, you know, that the mixes and the mastering and all that sort of stuff, he was a really great sounding board for me. We really gel and get each other in the studio and I, I use him a lot for that stuff. So that was really great to have him sort of to work with through and make sure everything was as good as I thought it was or you know, yeah, yeah. Me that up sounding board, that, that one yeah, person you go, I'm not crazy. Man. This is great, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, be, uh, be, be honest now. Have I, have I, this is it, right? The 90s know, is I still cool, like, right? <laughs> yeah, this is okay, right? It's not just me being totally up myself. You but, hit play and it's just, oh, babe, babe. Are you, no, are you covering Britney here? Is this, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, don't forget, we need to do the country version. So another song that really caught my ear when I was having another listen today to this brilliant and record that I really love, um, I'm talking about Home Truths, of course, I haven't said that, but Mother. <laughs> yeah, this other record. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. This other Dolly Parton record. No. no the song Mother. So this, oh, um, yeah. it really got under my skin. Really surprisingly sort of um, really got to me. Do you want to sort of explain to people that may not have heard that yet why they should pause instantly and go and listen to this song? <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, the thing about Mother and, uh, you know, country music actually is there is a real honesty in it, you know, like it's yeah. um, there's something that when somebody's been real with you and being honest, it makes you stop and listen. You know, you kind of go, oh, shit. They're being, they're being real. Oh God. <laughs> you know, if somebody's being playful or like, like joking all the time or they're never serious, yeah. you, know, you don't take them serious. You sort of, you know, ah, shut up, you know, stop being silly. But if yeah. somebody's like hitting you in the face with some real honesty and real truths, home truths, you know, you stop and listen you go, oh, wow. Okay. This, this is now hitting me as a real truth, as a real thing I need to listen to. And I think that's what I love about country music. You know, it's like, Sometimes you don't want to hear about these things, you know. You don't want to hear about cheating or hurt or heartbreak. But when Hank Williams is singing it to you, you're happy to listen, you know. Like yeah. it's like when the right person tells you and they tell you with like angst and heartbreak in their voice, it makes you go, like, it makes you pay attention, I guess, you know. And um, I've always tried to do that in my music. I've always tried to be real and honest to a point maybe sometimes that, you know, to my detriment, like I'm sometimes I've laid everything out there uh, unashamed, unashamedly. But I think, you know, there's a few things that come with that. You know, people people know me for exactly yeah. who I am. There's no, there's sort of no bullshit there, but it's also like, wow, I have, I have nothing hidden. Like I've just laid it all out there. <laughs> like, you know, my whole life is in my, is in my songs, but 
you know, I think that hopefully that's what, what people that like my music like about it. I, I don't know. I, I've never asked anyone to be honest, but I'm hoping that it's just because I'm, I am honest and real and I, and I try to be that so that people can relate to it and they can go, yeah, I, I hear myself in that, you know, that yeah. is my story or that's my song or that's, you know, the things that I loved about country music when I was growing up. I want people to love that about my music because why else am I doing it if I'm not changing people's lives or, you know, making them feel something. That's why we do this, you know, to make people feel something. So is yeah. then that, does that say more about me and why the song Mother spoke to me? Is that what you're saying to Thank me? You're you. saying that, Just that remember. really, yeah, <laughs> Just basically remember you need to like call your mother ASAP <laughs> and you need to apologize yeah. for everything. I think wrong. I think that something <laughs> happened. No, look, I think, I think it's so funny because I get made fun of all the time. I, I'm a psychologist's daughter. Um, yeah, right. My dad, yeah, is a clinical psychologist. And I think it comes out sometimes in me like that whole, how does that make you feel though? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think maybe you've got an issue with your mom? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm about to get ed- educated here. <laughs> no, jokes. I'm sure it's just music hitting you because it's, you know, it's honest. And I think that came from such a deep place, you know, it was Mother's Day during COVID. I couldn't see my mom. I was worried about my parents because, you know, they're in their late 60s and all the things that everyone was feeling in March, April, you know, yeah. um, were really yep. hitting me. And I was off the road. I had no work for the foreseen future. I was in a really desperate place. And I think I was really lost as to who I was without music. You know, I didn't know what that was. I knew I was a mum, but it wasn't all of me, you know, like I yeah. I feel like being a mum is a big part of me, but it's not everything. You know, I, I've, I've done this music thing for so long and it really makes up the person that I am. So I, I was in a really vulnerable place. And I think that song really shows that, you know, just really yeah. lays it out there. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly certainly hit me right between the the heart and the soul, and yes. uh, had a good little tear. So definitely go and listen to it now um, after hearing Catherine talk about it. But let's take another quick break and let's come back and talk about you know being back on the road and yeah. these the uh, the Bush Pubs tour. We'll be back. Pardon me. Excuse me. Uh, there's my real voice. That's better. Oh, fantastic. How are you, Catherine? <laughs> Sorry, it took me so long to appear. Um, so as we chat, uh, as we chat, you are in the beginning stages of uh, the 2021 Bush Pubs tour. So, you know, from New South Wales to Victoria, Tasmania, you and your band are on the road for quite a few dates. So the Bush Pubs tour, that's actually quite hard for me to say. I don't know if that's my diction. Bush, Bush Pubs tour. How <laughs> Just say it quickly. Bush Pubs tour. Bush Pubs tour. Bush pop tour. <laughs> Ten times in a row. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> all right, all right. Bush pop tour, bush pop tour, bush pop tour. If I could have done that, that would have been really impressive. Well, from now on, we're calling it the BPT. I know that yeah. sounds worse. I do that. I sure want to do, do BPT. Really? Cool. Yeah. How did, totally about? How, did, how did this come about? How did these shows come about? Um, yeah, so that was from uh, traveling Australia in a caravan, basically. Um, I spent four years on the road with my ex husband and 
than my son for a while, actually. Um, he was born on the road and came on the road with us for the first year of his life. He traveled Australia. Um, so I really just spent a lot of time in rural, you know, um, outback Australia and saw that there was this real like missing piece that like no one went out there and played. Yeah. And I would do a gig randomly cause we'd be somewhere random and they'd, to be like, oh my God, I can't believe you're playing a show out here. And, you know, people that four or 500 people would rock up because they'd never had a gig in their hometown, you know, like they yeah. were so happy and so, so grateful. And, you know, I just saw this desperation for music in the bush. And it's funny because it's kind of like at some point we took the country out of the country and we thought that would oh, work. Like, yeah. Well, let's get to the East Coast and that'll work. Let's play in Sydney. Nope. No one in Sydney cares about country music. Well, they do, but you know, like <laughs> it's not like out there. Like it's they're they're living the life and Yeah, yeah. Like no one makes the effort to go there. And look, it's epic. Like we just did the first weekend and we went to Broken Hill and Tilpa. Whew, Lordy, it was like it was nuts. It was like four like well, two days either side of the shows traveling. So it was five day traveling for three shows. Um, we got, we broke down somewhere between Emdale Roadhouse and Cobar oh, on wow. the side of the road. We ran out of petrol. <laughs> <laughs> and we just called people driving past your caravan and bush pubs tour. Just, yeah. you know, and I've you got, know. Yeah, I've got all the things like, I know. Yeah. I've caravan. seen the photos. Yeah. So we like pulled into the Emdale Roadhouse to call NRMA because as soon as you leave there, there's no, there's no service until Cobar no phone service. So we called RMA then drove up the road until we ran out of like petrol and then like pulled into this like roadside stop with truckies and slept until the guy came at 5am. So me and all of the band and the support act slept in my van with like, (laughs) with all the seats back and stuff. Like it was the worst night of my life. It was hilarious and (sighs) awful. Um, He came at 5am and like gave us 20 litres of petrol and we're like, oh my God, I don't don't even know that's enough to get us to Cobar. So we had to drive at like 70 kilometres an hour just to get to Cobar so we didn't burn through the petrol. Anyway, these are one of the many wonderful things about the Bush Pubs tour that I love because the stories are epic and I look back now and think it's the funniest thing ever. Yeah, when I was these are the memories, like, oh, right? My God. Yeah, they're memories. We're making memories. And, you know, you can't beat this Bush mentality either, like that, you know, the, the word spreads so quickly out there. Like we put these gigs this first weekend on sale three weeks ago and they were packed. And it's like, how? Why? Yeah. Like, how are yeah. these people here? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but it's like they all talk and they all, you know, they're not so distracted by everyday life that we are like in the city. They're, but also, you know, I saw the um, Slim Dusty movie and, I, you know, I've always been a fan of what he did travelling to these remote areas and bringing music back to the bush and I think he was one of the pioneers of doing it that way and yeah. I just saw this total lack of it, you know, people just weren't doing it anymore and, um, I think it's important. So now it's become this real mission of mine. Like I've, I've made it my sort of mission in life to take music back to the bush and find the most remote areas to, to take music to and do it, you know. So we are literally going everywhere um, and we are going to very remote areas. Um, and it's very exciting. I, I really am so excited for the rest of this year. It is, it's so crazy and epic. And yes, I'm going to need a holiday afterwards, but <laughs> I, I'm so excited for it. So we've got a great crew. The band's unreal, like one of the best country bands I've played with. Wow. Um, 
great guests. Melody Moko is coming out on the road with us. Um, Natalie Henry, Andrew Swift. So it's just going to be amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to, um, yeah, do some more. We've got some more this weekend in Udna Data and uh, Cuba Pedi. So that'll be fun. And I can't wait to see the photos of you getting so remote and so into the bush that like you've gone so far, you have to just channel in electricity from three towns over to be able to do your show. You know, you've got the biggest generators possible, you know, just one of the roadies putting in, you know, 12,000 AA batteries to power a speaker. Just run it on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Right, light the bonfire. We're going to run the gig. (laughs) I I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. I'll, I'll do anything to make my dreams happen. So who knows? It's something that I'd always sort of thought about too, and I'm sure a lot of people have thought about, about that there isn't a lot of artists going out into the bush anymore. And there's, you know, we are essentially a sort of a bit of a coastal community around Australia that we're sort of right around the edges. And, and, and there are lots of people, you know, further in, but mm-hmm. that part is kind of, oh, we forget about that part. You know, you do your five major city tour or, you know, whatever, some regional stuff, but do you think that there is a bit of a push from people like yourself and, and other artists that are starting to try and focus their attention more on here and in Australia and trying to do something here and moving that, that needle? I hope so. Um, I don't know. Look, I hope that, that this tour I'm doing influences more people to take music to the bush. Um, I know they desperately want it, yeah. um, you know, and I think – I, I want to grow this brand as well in that we do take maybe more people out, you know, and do yeah. a big sort of circus sort of thing. It already is a bit of a circus, but <laughs> like, they, like they did back in the day, you know. With How like, many people can you comedian. fit into your van to sleep? I can currently fit seven. Um, okay, well, that's, you know, that that's a circus. That's, uh, that's, a circus. that's plenty. But we that's can plenty. expand to bus. Like, yeah, touche, touche. Endless, endless limitations here. <laughs> like it can grow and become crazier. Uh, which I plan on, you know, I plan on it being epic, you know, and it, and it growing into something really special that I'm, that I'm, I'm already really, really proud of it. But, you know, I, I think this is definitely, I'm onto something and I want to keep it going. And um, I see how it affects people out there and I see how special it is to them and how appreciative they are. And, you know, I don't, you don't often get somebody come up to you a gig in Brisbane and go, oh, thank you so much for coming to Brisbane. Yeah. It means so much to me, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're grateful for the gig and they love it, but you play there once a year and, you know, you, they always know you're going to come back so they might not come. Oh, we'll get it next time, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's just yeah, totally yeah. different. You know, it's it's just a real appreciation out there and it's it's really special. So, yeah. Have you got one show coming up on the, the list of tour dates that you're really excited for because of some reason? Like I'm, I'm sure you're well, excited for all of them, but is yeah, there one yeah, town yeah. that stands out? Yeah, I think for me, off the top of my head, Uden and Data. I've never done the Uden and Data track, so I'm pretty excited for that. Slash nervous. I've I've rented a four drive, so we should be covered and safe. I, but you know, all sorts of things happen on these these outback roads. You know, flats and floods and fires and all sorts of stuff. So I'm always bracing myself every weekend for the next mission and the next adventure. Um, but yeah, like Uden and Dad is something, a bucket list thing for me, for sure. Um, I'm really excited to go back to Perth as well. Uh, or sorry, WA. I always say Perth, like that's all of Western Australia. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Western yeah. Australia. It's like Brisbane um, is all of Queensland. Exactly. <laughs> like how naive I am. I never go over there. Um, so yeah. I'm pumped for that. We're doing like three weekends worth of shows in, in 
um, WA. And Tassie's always great. You know, we never really get to go down to Tassie. So I'm pumped to do some bush pubs down there. And they actually reached out to me about, you know, coming down there and they're really pumped that these pubs are like, oh, we want you to do this in Tassie. And they've kind of got right behind it. So I think that's going to be really special as well. It's so exciting that it could turn into something and it sounds like your plans is for it to grow into this really strong tradition. I mean, that's so exciting. And um, yeah, I, think so. I guess in terms of that and I guess in terms of the label stuff, mm. uh, are you open to, to sort of newer artists sending you stuff? Like is that something that's possible at the moment? Are you open to, to that or you, yeah. you kind of got your finger on the pulse? So you, well, you're kind I of – I, I yeah. get stuff sent to me all the time. Um, yeah. I don't always get all the time in the world to listen to everything, but I do try because yep. I know how important that is, you know, um, to be heard, uh, especially in your early de- developmental days. But, yeah. you know, I also do a lot of work. I I do the Academy of Country Music thing every year. I, I'm one of the tutors there. I yep. do two weeks before the festival in Tamworth. I work with the Junior Academy Um you know, when I go on the road, I allow local acts to open the show. So I'm usually pretty on the pulse of who's yeah. coming up in, you know, this town and whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I'm kind of already all over it, but I also do get sent stuff all the time. Yeah, which yeah. I love. It's great. You know, that's the, there's no better way to discover new artists. But, you know, I think for me it's it's really got to be something I get and I believe in and I want to help and, you know, I want people to hear. So that's the main thing. Like, do I want people to hear this with my name attached to it? Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know, let, let, let me help that happen. So that's kind of where I'm at now with, with the label. So. Well, it sounds like that there are ways in which for people to be able to kind of reach out and maybe share some stuff. And, you yeah. know, you've mentioned a lot of that. So if they were wondering... I have asked a question on your behalf, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> um, of course, get out and see one of these bush pub tour dates if you're if you're in these areas. Um, I'm about to get in my car and drive for about ten hours just to see one um, really? outside of Brisbane. Oh, maybe now. I'm so excited. I'm so g'd up for them. I'm going to eat macas every way. Oh, my yeah. team is going to be furious, but it's all going to be worth it. Sleep in the car. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you on the side of the road. Hey, Catherine, you guys need a jump. <laughs> uh, we should road trip it, man. Let me know when you're leaving. Come yeah, on. okay. I'll, yeah, it's on the it's on the cards. You're about to find out. <laughs> but thanks so much for dropping by and talking with us today. It's been such a blast, and um, the record. Congratulations on the record. It's so beautiful, and and with all with all the shows coming up. Yeah, thanks for stopping by Ramble City. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been Ramble City a podcast of conversations with interesting people musing on art, life and their careers, created and produced by Old Fashioned Media. To hear more and discover additional material from today's episode, visit ofm.com. Listener.